0: Okay, Okay. so what I want to do is I want to go over uh, the introduction to the Haggadah by a famous commentator named the Malbim. And I might have shown you this, uh, this Haggadah before. It's called mm-hmm. the, the Malbim Haggadah. And what's great about the Malbim is he asks lots of questions now Pesach is obviously a time where we ask lots of questions and we ask lots of questions all the time. Uh, but especially Pesach, the Malbim is very famous in his commentary on the Torah for analyzing every verse and dissecting it. And, uh, very, very exciting when you, when you get into it. So I want to go over the introduction to the, um, to the gutter. We'll see how far we get just before, uh, we get there. Uh, I want to show you another book, which I've been reading a little bit recently. It's called The Six Constant Mitzvahs. So uh, I I don't know if you know this. You know, there's 613 Mitzvahs, but there uh, uh, are six Mitzvahs that we are supposed to keep in mind all the time. So one of them is what's called faith in Hashem or emunah, which is a lot of what Pesach is all about. And then the second one is not to believe in other gods. Third is to believe in Hashem's oneness. Fourth is to love Hashem. The fifth one is to fear Hashem. And the sixth one is not to be distracted and look at things you're not supposed to be looking at so that you can focus on uh, what you're supposed to do. So I was looking through it and I mentioned uh, something that I saw in you about Purim. But I also saw something here about uh, Pesach as well. Um, so uh, I'm going to tell you a story that, uh, that I just read. There was, uh, there was a person who didn't believe that the events of the Torah are true and that the Jews came out of Egypt. It says there's no evidence for it. So uh, this rabbi uh, turned to this person and said, do you remember whether we celebrated Pesach last year or not? And he said, yes, we did. So he says, what about five years ago? So he said, of course. He says, what about 10 years? So he started losing his patience. So he said, now I'm going to ask you a question. What about 50 years ago? Uh, this person was less than 50 years old. So um, do you think that the Jews were alive, that were alive 50 years ago, celebrated Pesach? So he said, yes, why not? So then he said, "What about a hundred years ago? Um, maybe even a thousand years? There were Jews a thousand years ago, etc." So he says, "When did when did Jews start celebrating Pesach?" So he said, "When they left Egypt." So he said, "So you see, you do believe that uh, the events of the Torah are, are correct." So um, one of the one of the uh, the main points of the whole seder is that we should drive home this message not to anyone else but ourselves, that the events that we read about and we pass on to our children are absolutely true and not because we believe them to be true, but we know them to be true. We know that they're true because our parents told us and our grandparents told us and the reason why our grandchildren and their grandchildren are going to believe that they happened is because we're telling them and you can only... You can only tell them in a way that they're going to know it themselves is if you feel that you know it yourself. So that's that's not what I'm going to be talking about now, but I'm, this is always something that I tell our students is that uh, we don't believe in blind faith. There is, there is an element of, uh, you know, faith where we don't know for certain, you know, certain things. Uh, that's just the nature of our finite world. But one thing we do know is that the the Torah is true and that God took us out of Egypt and he gave us the Torah and everything in the Torah is true. I sort of pause for a a moment. You know, I think I mentioned in last week's class, I don't know if you got the recording, about the loss of this great Rabbi Chaim Kanievsky. And uh, I've been listening to eulogies uh, from various rabbis over the last, uh, you know, 10 days or so. And I listened to a few last night. And what's astounding is just to uh, to hear great, great rabbis talk about this person in terms of someone that was just so unique that, that we can't even um, begin to, to understand how much Torah he knew. And uh, so... You know, Pesach is a time of the year where we uh, we could look at it as you know something that we just have to do every year because you know that's just our tradition, or it could be a time where we can really reinvigorate ourselves and really get more excited about Judaism and really look forward to Pesach and really make the most of the of the the seder. But that takes preparation, so uh There's not too long to go to Pesach, so I'm I'm appreciative that we have this class so that I can even get started, um, and I'm hoping that that this year I'm going to find new insights into uh, into Pesach that I didn't know before. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to share my screen for a minute because this this um, introduction is actually online. If you go to Orsamayr's website and you do a search for the Malbim Haggadah, it's M A L B I M Haggadah, You'll get a link to this uh, this introduction, and it's worth taking even an hour or two and reading through it if you if you haven't seen it before. So, let me just share my screen, and uh, and then you'll we're just going to basically go through as much as we can in the next fifteen minutes. All right. So, any any thoughts or questions just before we we jump right in, everybody. You, you okay with me going ahead with this uh, this introduction? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, um, the Malbim takes a look at uh, the the structure of the Haggadah, and he tries to make some sense or some seder. You know, we call it the seder because Seder means order because it has a certain order, but he tries to make order out of it because once you look into it a little bit, it seems not to have a structure to it. And it looks to be a random collection of uh, paragraphs that don't really connect to each other. And he shows in a beautiful, beautiful way how they are all connected, makes the the whole Seder a lot more interesting. So, uh The beginning of the Magid section, the Magid is the central part of the Seder where we tell the story of coming out of Egypt, is what's called Halach Ma'anya. And then we have Ma'anishtana, Avadim Hayinu, the story about Rabbi Eliezer, the story of Rabbi Laza Ben-Azaria. Then we have a blessing called Baruch HaMakom. Then we do the four sons, the famous four sons, Uh, Then we have a paragraph about uh, that you might think that uh, we should really uh, celebrate Pesach on the first day of Nisan. Uh, And then uh, we start telling uh, the story, make another bracha. um, And I'm not going to go through all the the different uh, pieces because we only have a certain amount of time. But he starts off by saying the following. And yes, we'll just do like two or three questions, just to get some idea of of what happens when you just pay a little bit of attention to to the Agada. So he says the compiler of the Agada should have placed the paragraph Avadim Hayinu. That's a paragraph that says we were slaves to Pharaoh in Egypt. After the paragraph of, in the beginning we were idol worshipers in the times of our forefathers, um, because that took place before we were slaves in Egypt. So he says, the second paragraph refers to Terach, Avram's father who died 200 years before Avram's children descended to Egypt and became slaves, which is the topic of the first paragraph. So again, if I, just, if I read the, the first paragraph, let me just read it out to you and um and you'll see what i mean um so it starts off by saying uh the following Um, should have had this reading, but so it starts off by saying we were slaves to pharaoh in egypt Hashem, our God, took us from there with a strong hand and an outstretched arm. And if the Holy One blessed, him, he had not taken our fathers out of Egypt, then we, our children and our children's children, would still have been subjugated to Pharaoh in Egypt. Therefore, even if we were all wise, all understanding, all experienced, and all versed in the Torah, we would nevertheless be obligated to recount the story of the departure from Egypt. And he who elaborates upon the story of the departure from Egypt is worthy of praise. So. Now, often when the Malbim asks a question, you can you can already have an answer in mind because you can you can tell that this paragraph is a sort of introduction. It's not really telling the whole story, but he, what he's what he's leading up to is the point that I'm going to you know just show you. So the first part is why is it that we say we were slaves in Egypt, and then uh, the next paragraph talks about. Terach, Avram's father, who was an idol worshiper, which happened earlier. So chronologically, it doesn't seem to be in order. Then he says that um, when you look at the conclusion of the second paragraph, and it says there, and Yaakov and his children went down to Egypt. So that would have been a perfect introduction to the first paragraph, where it says we were slaves to Pharaoh in Egypt. So it seems like it's not just that it's out of chronological order, but it would have made more sense to put the Second paragraph first. Um, then he says that that paragraph of uh, that I just read, um, where it says, therefore, even if we are all wise, is unnecessary, because the narrative which Avadiyamayini briefly relates is expounded in extensive detail later in the Haggadah, in the paragraphs beginning with sayulamad, which means go and learn, where right at the towards the end of the Seder. We go through all the, the verses that talk about us being in Egypt. So why are we why are we sort of repeating it in the beginning of, of the Haggadah? He says, each detail of the descent to Egypt, the servitude, the affliction, the miracles of the Exodus are described and explained at length. What does Avada Mahino at the beginning of the Haggadah add to the lengthy narration later? All right, let's just do uh, one more question. Uh, and then I'm going to I'm going to jump to the answer, even though it really would be more fun and more you know educational if we if we spent an hour or two going through this, uh, you know, slowly. Really, what I should do uh, is I should have prepared you and said, why don't you know take a look at the Haggadah first, make sure there's no comets around. Um, you know, we pack all our Haggadahs away um, and uh, make sure that we only bring them out. When we've cleaned up all the comments, but I do keep some Haggadahs out during the year because um, uh, I want to, you know, get ready. I don't want to wait until, you know, three or four days before Pesach to start looking at the gutter. But he asks the question: um, uh, What is the purpose of relating the story for those who already know it? We say this paragraph. Therefore, even if we are all wise, we nevertheless are obligated to recount the story of the departure from Egypt. Why is that, in fact, true? Why, if we, if we know the whole story, um, and it says even if you buy yourself, then you have to tell the story. Why, in fact, is that the case? Okay, so what he does is the following, and I'm just going to scroll down. So he asks, look, there's twelve questions. Last one he asks is why is the why is it even called the Haggadah Now you need to know a little bit of Hebrew to know what the question means. Uh, so that's also something that I, I encourage our students is you can't really appreciate the Haggadah if you only read it in English. Now, obviously, if you don't understand Hebrew, then you have to suffice with English. But your goal should be to learn how to read Hebrew. Which is not that difficult to do. I'm actually giving a, a class in reading Hebrew tonight, uh, but you really get a lot more out of the Haggadah when you when you know the the original Hebrew words, and um, and so he disguise, discusses what the difference between uh, the word uh, "sipur," which is like to tell a story, and Haggadah, which is like to relate. The story what exactly that means i'm not going to again go into the answer right now but um what what he what he does is the following he says that there's a, a verse in the torah you know it's a mitzvah to to tell the story of the exodus from egypt it's not a it's not just a mitzvah to eat matzah or drink four cups of wine in fact The four cups of wine is not even a biblical commandment. There's no way in the Torah that says that you have to drink four cups of wine. It's a good question to ask at the Seder. Why do we drink four cups of wine and why the number four is so prominent? But there's no way in the Torah that it says that you have to drink four cups of wine. But it does say the following. It says, And you shall relate to your child on that day, lay more saying, you should relate to your child on that day saying, it is because of this. Now, we don't know what this is. It's because of this that Hashem acted for me when I came out of Egypt. And um, that, is, um, that is the source for the commandment, the mitzvah, to tell the story on Egypt, even though there are other verses that talk about telling the story in the Torah, but those are prompted by questions. Meaning, it says, "If your child, if your child asks you the question, this is how you should answer it, and how, and what you should tell him." But this verse applies whether a child or not asks, and that's the source of the mitzvah. Um, so the Malbim shows. That the structure of the Haggadah is based on this verse, which is fascinating. He basically divides this verse into six sections and shows that how each of these parts of the verse are represented in the Haggadah. And then all of a sudden it makes a lot more sense why certain things come up and why certain things are are before others, because it's all taken from this particular verse. So he says, um, let's look at the first section. So he says, That's re- that is related to the words, which is, you shall relate to your child. And he says, the first eight paragraphs, beginning with Avarima mayinu and concluding with a son who does not know how to ask, were placed at the beginning of the Haggadah to correspond to this part of the verse. You shall relate to your child the first phrase of the source verse, each paragraph contributes an essential element to describe the words. So he says that um, there are some commentators who say, there are some commentators who say that that first paragraph is the beginning of the telling of the story of coming out of Egypt. It um, says, however, but if you step back, uh, and you look at the broad perspective with the entirety of the God, you will see that it is in fact not part of the story. Um, he says that um, aside from that first sentence that we were slaves into Egypt, the rest of the words have say nothing about coming out of Egypt or even the following seven paragraphs. There's no story until we come to the paragraph, which says, um, uh, in the beginning, we were idol worshipers. So he says, now here's the the key point. He says, it's not the beginning of the story, but it's the declaration of the fundamental reason why we are all obligated to recount the story. It's because we were slaves to Pharaoh in Egypt. That's why we have to tell the story and express our enormous gratitude to our Redeemer for had He not brought us out from Egypt, we would still be there. So the first paragraph is the reason why we have the Mitzah, and it's not... story itself so once you know that then then we understand that uh it's not the beginning of the telling of the story it's a it's a declaration why we have to say it we we say it because we were slaves in egypt so um what i would like to do uh if i had you know, a little more time, what I would do is we would continue going through this and we would show how each of how each of the, the sections of the Haggadah leading up to the telling of the story are really an explanation of this particular verse. And the reason why I like this haggadah uh, as a as a good you know introduction is it just makes the haggadah more uh it just makes more sense what the, the the structure of it is once you have the structure of it then you can go and ask all kinds of questions about what the tent plagues were what the purpose of the plagues were and you can you can discuss them i did hear just by the way that you know it does say at the beginning of this at the at the end of this paragraph anyone who uh elaborates on the story of of uh, the exodus of egypt is praiseworthy and in our house, at least, and I'm sure in many, many houses around the world, uh, our Seder goes way, way, way into the early hours of the morning. And there's a big discussion about when you're allowed to eat the Afikomen, because some say you're supposed to eat it before halachic midnight, which might be 1230, but we only sometimes start the meal at about 1230. It's a lot of discussion, but our Seders go on to two, three o'clock in the morning. That's when we we finish them. So we always tell our guests, make sure, number one, that you get a lot of sleep before you come to our Seder. And number two, make sure you've had something to eat. Now, you're not supposed to eat too much. You've got to have an appetite and don't eat any matzo because you have to have an appetite for matzo. You certainly can't eat any comets because, you know, every, you have to stop eating comets by the way But have a potato kugel or have, you know, a little bit of matzo ball soup or some, you know, some chicken or something. But uh, make sure that you don't come hungry to to the seder. But I just dis- I heard that Rav Chaim Kanievsky, this great great rabbi, you know uh, who who just passed away, uh, and knew the entire Torah. Uh, his seder certainly went on on late. But the actual Magid section, all the discussions that a lot of the commentators talk about, he went through that. The, the telling of the story in a very short time, and he just he, he fulfilled the you know the bare minimum of the the commandment of telling the story, and then after that he would elaborate and he would go on and on and on and 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 talk about it. So there's actually a Haggadah that came out. My son has. I was just taking a taking a look at it. Um, called Rav Chaim's Haggadah, and talks about some of his customs, everybody's got different customs at the Seder, different customs about checking for homets you know, uh, and uh, and it's very interesting, you know, reading about, you know, his personal uh, uh, experiences and, and customs at the, the Seder. Fortunately, even though he himself didn't, uh, hold any position and he didn't give classes per se, but we have an enormous amount of writings from him. And so my, my guess is that in the years to come, besides the ones that have come out and besides, you know, the books he wrote himself, there's going to be many, many other books that, you know, that come out. Um, so, um, uh, just in case we don't have another class before Pesach, you know, we uh, we actually are having a um, we're having a, a fundraiser for Jet starting tomorrow our pre-Pesach fundraiser. One of the reasons I do, you know, obviously as a nonprofit, you have to have a fundraiser. But um, one of the reasons I do it now is because the slogan of our campaign is always "Let my people know." Not let my people go, uh, which is the the phrase that you know everyone quotes. Uh, because uh, unfortunately, that phrase "let my people go" is not even the full uh, verse. When 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 Moshe comes to Pharaoh and says "let my people go," the end of the verse is so that they may serve God, they may serve Hashem, because that's the reason why. We wanted freedom. We wouldn't want freedom to become illiterate, uneducated uh, Jewish people. We we wanted to be free to serve Hashem. So when when you know when I tell people what's you know what's the purpose of JET, it's it's to teach our our students uh, the story of Pesach so they can tell their children and their grandchildren. Many of them, you know, don't know the story or don't know. Uh, the right story, and they they might have have a, a distorted view of what Judaism says about the seder. So, so my goal uh, is not just uh, for me and my family to uh, uh, reinvigorate ourselves and and to understand more deeply our. Um, our gratitude to Hashem for taking us out and and to reinforce our belief that everything that happens in the world, you know, that happened in Egypt and happens today is all from Hashem, but it's also to show our students that uh, it's a beautiful tradition and Pesach is something we should look forward to. We should be excited about, and we should look forward to the day that, you know, we can tell, tell that story to our, our own grandchildren. So um I hope you oh I see Debbie you're back in your house already. So uh, that I hope that uh uh that accompanied your walk and gave you some food for thought and got you a little bit in the mood for for Pesach. So let me let me what I'll do is I'll wish you all a very happy Pesach. I'll stop the recording and then I'll take some questions hold on in a second.